few things are as confusing in our culture as the concept of identity, all right? Everything seems to be wrapped up somehow in a person's identity. We've deconstructed, we've redefined, we've torn things down, and now uh, we've done it in such a way that people seem to think you can just build things up into whatever you want them to be. And we're here to say that no, there are absolutes in this world, and some of those absolutes have to do with marriage. <laughs> and so uh, in this next five weeks, we're going to be unpacking the idea of identity, particularly how it pertains to your marriage and our lives as Christian husbands and Christian wives. So uh, we appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast, where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in. Here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage, sex, communication, finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel-centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. So we just ended our series on joy. Joy. That's what the notes say. We're all excited. <laughs> Joy. It was a good series. I, it was a really good series. Um, if I don't mind saying so myself. Well, no, yeah. I like how it ended, though. I felt like it ended on a really up note with um, us, us talking through and just kind of, we had more fun in, the, in that last episode. We did. Yeah. I think I would like to redo some of those things. I do think how Joy is different than happiness in a lot of ways. It's up for debate. Go back and listen to You've the series. You've been convinced by the podcast. And you'll know, well, <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Okay. So go back and listen to the series if you haven't. Um, I think you guys will appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, it's been very, um, I think, enlightening for us to go yeah. through these different pieces of the Christian life and understand them deeper mm-hmm. and how they apply to our marriage. And this series is no exception. Oh gosh, this is. <laughs> it's guys, be we made we our team helped get the series these lists of series that we would do and the, just a the, one word theme. Yeah. <laughs> And identity. But the fact the that it's happening right now in it's it's God ordained. I mean, I just really, can't yeah. it just yeah. God is working uh, through Fierce Marriage and through this podcast and I'm so excited to be able to kind of I think share on some of those mm. hotter topics with this. We didn't really see that coming when we first outlined this, but Yeah. Yeah. So as we dive into the series, here's the overview. All right. We got five uh, Tuesdays and we do our podcast releases on Tuesdays. And so we are going to do a five week series on the topic of identity, which is perfect because we need all five weeks. All right. And you might think, well, how, how are they going to talk about identity as it pertains to marriage? Well, here you go. How are we only going to do it in five weeks? Yeah. <laughs> so week question. number one, that's this week here. We're going to talk through the identity of marriage itself. Ad- uh, marriage has been uh, endowed with purpose and design and meaning. And it's not been something that we've done arbitrarily as a, as a society or as people, but God did it himself. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk through that uh, and hopefully new terms. All right. So before you uh, fast forward or go to the next episode, I think it'll be really helpful in elucidating to think about it in new terms, especially around the idea of identity, mm-hmm. identifying marriage itself for what it actually is. Uh, the second week is our shared or our collective identity as a couple. Um, to becoming one. What does it actually look like? Do we become, uh, are we completely absorbed? Are we resorbed into each other? (laughs) Or are we, you know, we still maintain our individuality in a sense. And is that healthy? And how do we go about finding that balance? That causes struggles for sure. And weeks three and four are going to be fire. Selena, what are those all about? Week three, we're talking about roles for those two weeks. So the roles of a husband uh, will be week three and the role of a wife is week four. Uh, truth be told, we've done over 200 episodes now, and not once have we ever focused on roles. 
because we gender roles namely we have well so that's that's it, gonna yeah. ruffle some feathers i'll just make I sure think ruffle it's gonna be good. great god's word yep. is sharp and it is a double-edged sword and we are excited to bring that as faithfully as possible and um yeah and boldly and boldly without yep I'm not going to apologize because yep. God's word is true and we follow it and we're dedicated to it. We follow it blindly. Not <laughs> blindly, but faithfully. With faithfully faith. is the with word. Faith. Uh, week five is, so that's weeks three and four is uh, we're going to define husbands and then wives in weeks three and four. And then number five is our identity as a married couple who are also parents. So what does it mean to be, to identify as parents and to uh, put our mission to work in mm. the in the field of parenting? You may not be parents yet, but trust me. You'll find it helpful. Okay, so that's where we're headed. We don't. We won't spend as much time on that every week, but we want to make sure that we're we're laying a very clear um, kind of trajectory, so you know where we're headed, and you can anticipate. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, God will use that in your life. So lay of the that, land, lay of the land. There you go. Uh, before we do that, if you if you don't mind, it really helps us if you subscribe, uh, follow, rate, and review uh, the Fierce Marriage Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. It may seem like a small thing, but I'm here to tell you. It's about as big as it gets mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the podcasting world. People listen to podcasts that, that have repu- have a reputation, uh, and so that really helps us. Um, preferably a good rating, a good review, but you know what? Be honest. We're just going to do our best to bring the gospel consistently. Um, next, if you want to go a little bit deeper and you want to be a part of the mission of uh, what we're doing through Fierce Marriage and Fierce Parenting now, mm. um, you can join on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash fierce marriage. There are a bunch of tiers there, a lot of good options. There's free books, there's free rings. But the most important thing is that we want to be locking arms with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who care about the message of the gospel being proclaimed consistently, boldly, and clearly into the space of marriage and family uh, and parenting in a culturally relevant way. And so if you want to be on board with that, please pray about it. And then we ask that you just pull the trigger. There are a few steps to go ahead and join. Don't get bogged down. Go the full distance, and we hope that it's going to be a blessing to you in return. Patreon.com slash Fierce Marriage. I think that's good for now. Okay. All right. So we're going to jump into our discussion of identity of marriage. Mm. And I think we The identity of marriage itself. Itself, yep. Because that... (laughs) I was starting the rundown, and he's like, that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) I was like, "Um, what do you mean by identity of marriage? It was first identity in marriage. Yeah, that seems a little ambiguous. Really threw me off. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, so maybe you can illuminate. Hmm. (laughs) But talking about identity of marriage itself, and why does it matter that we Hmm. define who we are and what this covenant is? Why is that important now to know these things? Well, if we don't, I mean, clearly we will. We wouldn't. Come under its authority or live. You can kind of skate by if nothing's going bad. But as soon as something goes wrong or you feel like, you know, the marriage is harder than it should be, if you don't have a strong rooted description and and, uh, definition of what marriage is as God has identified it. Yeah. Um, then you know we might be prone to trusting our own wisdom over God's. Mm. And so, I mean, all of these types of principles, it's not like, it's like you take your break, your brake system for granted in your car until it's not there. Yeah. You have to make sure that all that stuff works and, it, and you're clearly, uh, it's putting all the pieces in the right places. So like in every way, having a clear identity, having a clear definition of marriage mm-hmm. from a biblical lens, it matters because it's going to govern every how way. you deal with your finances, it's going to govern how you deal with your intimate challenges or successes. It's going to govern how you communicate, right. um, how you deal with conflict. 
Um, but it all comes down to this root definition of and identity of marriage itself. Right. So, right. So, so I think that the first question to ask yeah. uh, is just simply this, is where did marriage even come from? Now, a lot of this stuff is going to seem really basic and rudimentary. So just bear with us. These first episodes tend to be that way. We're laying a groundwork, so we're all working off the well, same Well, I don't script. think it's a bearing with us anymore, honestly, because this, these are the things that are in question. These are the things that okay. people are writing articles on The Atlantic about why marriage is not important anymore or why society's starting to well said, yeah. think it's not a, a, yeah. a, it's not a construct that we need to yeah. instill anymore, So, which is a scary thing to think about, right? But... You're absolutely right. Where did marriage come from? That's a good question. You're absolutely right, because these are what's in question. This is what's being fought for. Yes. And so as a married couple, as a Christian, yes, and as a Christian married couple, like we need constant refreshers because it's under constant barrage of attack, right? So that's what we're here to do is remind you, where where did marriage come from? How do we define marriage itself? The identity of marriage itself? And the first thing, the first question underneath that is, well, who created marriage? Right. And natural... I mean, you have basically two options right now. Either man created marriage or God created marriage. Those are our two options. Right. And so some under the man created marriage side of things would say that marriage was uh, just a A popular cultural convention. Yeah. It just kind of evolved over time. It was necessary uh, early on for, you know, tribes. It's quite a leap, I feel like. Why do you say that? Because that, I mean... When you look at history and like individual, like you're talking about, like tribes in ancient times, they still, even if they had, maybe this is a bad example, but like you look at Pharaoh. So we're studying in CC, we're going to be studying the ancient times and we talk about Egypt, of course, but you look at Pharaoh and they had like multiple wives. Well, and they had concubines. There's still some sort of like covenantal contractual aspect to that. He didn't just have like women. They didn't label them as just like. Mm, interesting women right that they there was an identifying piece to that there's a natural like exclusivity yeah. to that type of yeah relational dynamic. i think that if you're arguing that it was just a cultural thing it's like well when did it when was it not <laughs> well especially when you talk in terms of monogamy you mentioned he had right. plenty of wives like the monogamous um biblical view of marriage biblical design for marriage which is monogamous uh is i mean from an evolutionary standpoint it doesn't really follow it seems like if you're just wanting to make as many children as possible the evolutionary way everything like the strongest male gets the most wives gets the most children then why would i ever just say one's enough right, right? so wh- how would that ever naturally evolve in a culture that is right. not leaning right that's why i another think law it that's takes more f- or I, faith not faith i don't know i don't want to give it that just, it's, it's a leap you're saying it's a leap it's a leap okay. yeah but I get yeah. it. I get it. We kind of, if we don't think about these questions, right, of where did marriage come from and who designed it, then we're just going to gloss over it and say, well, it's just I've kind of always been there. And I don't know if it really, you know, I'm assuming that the Christian marriage <laughs> marriages that are listening are just that, Christian marriages. But maybe there are single people and there's people that are listening that are like, I don't know if I really believe in marriage because A, B, and C. And it seems like you could just live with somebody and have the same effect, right? You we know? had somebody on the Fierce Parenting Instagram um, feed go on a bit of a tirade on how uh biblical marriage is is uh it's not i just said it it's not monogamous it's poly po- polygamous there it is <laughs> there it is um it's like he went on this whole like he researched did all these different texts and things and i'm going back and forth with this guy like yeah oh, you know no, you're, you're basically <laughs> oh yeah engaged and i don't always do that with these types of 
trolls. <laughs> um, it never ends well on the internet. But, but the thing is, is the the amount of uh, gymnastics you have to go to to make that case, it's 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 very uncompelling. Right. And never has it gone well with even guys like Abraham or uh, Jacob or these other men who had multiple wives, Solomon, uh, all his concubines. It, it in that respect, it never went well for them. Right. So anyway, that's a bit of a sidebar. The point is, we're we're talking about a monogamous view of marriage, um, and it's not just a cultural construct. Right. It's not something that just evolved because it was safer to have a nuclear family because you could somehow huddle together as a tribe, right. ten, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. Uh, and we're so we're not that, just getting not married it. for the tax purposes either. <laughs> but the implications. So I think our listeners will agree with that. But I do want to pick at that a little bit more and say, what are the implications if we buy that, even on a on a on like a surface level, mm-hmm. if we start somehow thinking, yeah, I'm a Christian, uh, but we believe on some level that marriage is somewhat of a toss up. Like it, it's, it's not, maybe not, it's a, not as clear as we think it should be. Sure. Maybe not a toss up, but maybe it's less of what we thought. Like I thought this was going to be, I was going to be more happy. I thought I was going to okay. enjoy this life more. And instead it feels like I, I was bait and switched a little bit and I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with the, Ah, the marriage is supposed to be great and happy and awesome, but it's hard. And I don't know, I don't, should I have done this? You know, you begin kind of questioning those things and you start trying to unravel your covenant a little bit instead of saying, okay, God designed it this way. There's got to be a purpose, right? God always has a purpose. We'll get there. Yes. We'll get there. But I want to, again, I want to pick out a little bit more of the the implications of, of even just believing a whiff of that. Sure. That this is kind of something that just evolved, or it's a cultural convention, or it's, an or it's something. Option. It's an option, yes, or it's something we just do because it's all we've ever known. Right. That's Especially I think in the what West. I'm trying to say. Yeah, is that it's like why? why I mean, you know, is I, there... I hear it all the time. People are cohabitating, right? And they're saying, "Well, we don't need to get married. Like we're pretty much married anyway." Right. But Clearly, no, you're not. You haven't made a covenant with right. her. You haven't made a covenant with God. You haven't stood before your uh, loved ones, right? Because there's a there's a whole list of implications that go with that. When you stand before yeah. God and man, and you say, "I do," you are saying, "I am in a marriage covenant." And Ryan is saying that he's going to be the provider for his family. That he's going to stand before God and answer to how he loved me. I'm going to stand before yeah. God saying how I loved Ryan, how I submitted to him, how I, you know, mm. all of these things. You don't do that if you're just cohabitating. Right. You and might think you're doing those things, but you not. haven't. You have not stepped into that. Here's my response to those men and women who would say that. and they say, It's just a piece of paper. It's just, and I'd say, mm. well, what's the big deal? Go get it then. <laughs> it's just a piece of paper. Right. Go get it. Right. Go that, get the marriage that certificate. philosophy obviously doesn't hold. Well, the point is, yeah, is, is covenants matter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Making a covenant matters. And there's something in our guts that we know that to make that type of commitment, especially, it's something else. Especially as a believer. Especially as a believer. It, even as non-believers, God. I think there's a sense that there's a... I think so too. Like you talk to any, not any couple, because there are some some weird couples out there, but you've talked to most couples. <laughs> you're not that listener. You're not that. <laughs> you'll talk to some, most couples and they'll say, Hey, would you be okay if your husband cheats on you? Even if you're not a Christian. And they'd always say, no, no. Yeah. Like there's a sense that this is an exclusive right. commitment to one another, right. that we're going to be faithful to one another. And that's not just a cultural thing. Right. Uh, and so the results of this are that we, uh, we, if we continue to deconstruct, I think we start to, um, Lose the value. I don't know if you want to go through some of these articles. We have an article from Gallup. I think if you just summarize real quickly just what they're saying, a lot of it is, um, you know, is marriage obsolete? Like, should it should it right. even be a thing anymore? And even when you look, you know, why are, why do we get married? Well, big big part of that is having kids. So is it important for kids to have two parents like that that are married? Is that yeah. important? These are the things that are in, in question. People don't think that... 
they have yeah the atlantic has a article called the case against marriage um i hate to highlight those things but they, these are the things that are, are in our culture yeah of, of taking it off the off the plane mm-hmm. of something that god created like if we're saying it's not it's not god ordained it's just a thing right now you start having these other questions like well should we even do we even need this right and as christians we can ask these questions in much more covert ways and that's why we see divorce rates and things mm-hmm. that, that, that should never church, be the case yeah. in the church. Which, by the way, I don't think the 50-50 thing is true in the church. I think a lot fewer professing, believing Christians get divorced than non-Christians. But that's another. And there's lots of data for that. It's just it's been misconstrued. Uh, Shanti Feldhahn has a lot to say about yes. that. She filled my ear one day on that. Um, it was really good. So here's what I'm shocked with. Okay, I'm reading this article in, uh, in on Gallup. It's the, the, um, the title is, Is Marriage Becoming Irrelevant? Here's some of the highlights. All right. 29% of couples or 20, 29% of people, excuse me, say it's very important for a couple to marry if they have a child. And that is down from 38% just eight years ago. So you've lost nine percentage points. It's a lot. Nine percentage points yeah. in eight years. Okay. You think about like all of human history. This, is a, this isn't even a, a pixel on the screen right. of the timeline of human history. Right. And here you've lost nine percent, almost a tenth of people. And that's, as a percentage of people who say it's important, it's a third or a quarter of those people. Right. That's unbelievable to me. Um, Another statistic that I found shocking is that a fewer, fewer Americans today say it's very important for couples with children together to legally marry. Okay. Back in 2006, it was close to 50%. It was like 48, 49%. And in 2020, it was 29%. Wow. Who said it was very important. Um, and then it's the, you also see it for people who thought, thought it was somewhat important. They actually increased a little bit. And then percentage of not too or at all important, that increased more. Yeah. <laughs> it went from 23% to 40% who thought it wasn't important. So this question of marriage being important, marriage <laughs> being designed by God and purposed by God. And being something that's outside of us. And that's yes, not up for debate. Yes. It's not it's up for deconstruction. It's important for us to... Yep grab a hold or live under the authority that it is that we have committed and made a covenant with each other and we are committed to each other and this is what it means defining what marriage is between one man and one woman for life and guys we're going to get into what we believe it is very clearly like selena said but i want to i just want to highlight this because we have to know the context and the water we're swimming in yeah I'm no anthropologist. I don't know all of the sociological history of this, but I do know this. The Enlightenment gave birth to uh, like rationalism, gave birth to deconstructionism, postmodernism. And it's only been in recent history that, that people are questioning these things in this way. And it says something about um, how the, the affluence of a society, the wealth of a society, and the, the wealth of a people can lead to these types of hmm. um, sins. Okay, I was going to call it a sin. Calling something that God said is X, it's a sin to call that thing Y. That is wrong. God has said something. His decree is true. We'd better get on board with it if, if we want to flourish. And, and, we, and we wonder why society goes this way or that. And it's because as a, for a long time, we've been veering off the path of God. And I'm not just talking about Western popular Christendom. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, Orthodox Christianity that goes all the way back to the, to the ancient fathers to the fathers of the church, Justin Martyr, and that his whole that whole generation just after Acts. Anyway, the whole point is, this is all so recent, mm. okay? And so what happens is you have married couples with their boots on the ground, they're doing the work, and they are failing in their marriages because they've bought this subtle lie that it's just it's maybe just a little bit debatable. Hmm. 
Hmm. That marriage doesn't have to be what God says it is. Marriage can be what I say it is. Do you see how that's problematic? Mm. And so this is very important that we get the identity of marriage itself absolutely correct, not just for us, but for our society, for future generations, Mm -hmm. for our churches, for industry in a lot of ways. Well, and I think that's part of our discussion too, is just getting the clarity around why it's important because even I think even as believers, we can say that, yes, we can believe lies or things that we think God has said about marriage. And in fact, he has not. Right. So was it Gary Thomas that said, what if marriage was for your holiness and not right. your happiness? Right. For how long and how many divorces happened because of this idea that we thought marriage was just for our happiness? Well, when we weren't happy anymore, then what do we do? Right. And it's, it's such a bigger question. Like it's about our holiness. It is about our sanctification Mm -hmm. and without being able to answer those questions and to have clarity around the truths that scripture gives us about marriage, we can't, um, live out in this identity of, of what marriage is and why it was designed this way and the purpose of it and the strength of it, Mm. um, and the mission of it as well. Yeah. So let's, let's just be really clear here. Again, we're here to, um, draw really, really clear lines around what marriage is. Okay, so here it is very clearly that the identity of marriage itself is this. As Christians, okay, we, we believe God's word is inerrant. We believe it's authoritative. We believe it's they're the words of God himself mm-hmm. in, in the canon as we know it. So as Christians, we believe with good evidence that God created marriage as a covenant between one man and one woman for life. A covenant between one man and one woman for life. That's a very orthodox, basic definition. So let's pa- let's parse through that a little bit. Um, but as we've mentioned, this identity will govern all that we do and how we live and v- live out and view our covenant mm-hmm. um, in all manner of season of marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it is a covenant. That's the first one. Covenant. What is covenant? I want. I'm going to ask you. Shoot from oh. the hip. <laughs> it's it's not. It's not conditional. It's a. I mean, parts. It's. A promise, basically, between two people that yeah. I'm going to fulfill this, you're going to fulfill this, and we're going to be together. It's not contractual or conditional. Right. I think it has aspects of contractualness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there are some, I think, conditions that we agree to, right? The exclusivity of it. Yeah. Um, but it's not... It's eternal. Yeah. Well, not eternal. It's, it's for life. Of this life. A marriage yeah. covenant. There's yes, other marriage co- God's covenants in many ways are, are eternal. Yes. Most of them, some of them. Um, and there are conditional and unconditional covenants. Marriage happens to be an unconditional covenant. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we see examples of that in the scripture. So yeah, it's, you, you nailed it. It's not, con- it's not conditional. Yes. It's not contractual. <laughs> and it's this agreement between two parties that says, we are going to adhere to the terms of this agreement and I'm going to adhere to it regardless of what you do. And you're going to adhere to it regardless of what I do. Now, in Scripture, there are concessions right, given but for those divorce. Didn't come and those were never after sin. Sorry, they didn't come till after sin. Yeah. True, yeah, covenant existed in the garden. Right. Uh, that's really important to note. Thank you. Uh, but those uh, the concessions for divorce were given as a result of the hardness of the hearts of the people of God, and they were never the ideal. Mm-hmm. And they're they're never going to be God's desire for your marriage. Okay. With that said, he, he, because he's loving, because he has given, um, he's understanding and because of our hardness of hearts, he's given us, you know, some divorce routes. We're not here to focus on that. Okay. Um, those aren't what we're majoring on right now. There's only, um, one or two possibilities there. Um, okay. So it's a covenant between one man, one woman for life. 
Um, the second piece, between one man and one woman. Okay, we're going to be really bold here, but there's no other format under the sun that will honor and respect the biblical model or fit the biblical model for marriage. I just want to let that sink in. Okay. <laughs> so I think sometimes it's yeah. not just the, the words that we say, but like the pauses that are allowing yeah. okay. to happen. Yeah. And I just want to go it even further. It's not, it's not two men and the covenant for life. It's not that. Even if they're, they're loving, it's not biblical marriage. It's not two women. It's not two women, one man. It's not two men, one woman. It's not any number of variations. It's one man, one woman for life. That's God's definition uh, that we see in scripture. Okay, so what's the for life piece? Well, once you enter a marriage, the covenant is for the rest of your life. And here's the kicker. And this is a really sensitive topic. A lot of people, a lot of really smart theologians still fight on this. But what what's the nature of a covenant? Does it dissolve even though you get a divorce? And a lot of people would argue it doesn't. I would tend to argue that it doesn't. Um, if both spouses are still alive, alive, and you haven't fallen into one of the uh, escape clauses, right, that we see uh, Moses giving the people or Jesus illustrating in, in the New Testament, um, then there's nothing that can dissolve that covenant between a, a couple. That's, that's a hard pill to swallow, especially in terms of remarriage and things like that. We're not here to get into the nitty gritty of that, but we're, just kind of presenting those we're presenting right that there. truth that, it, that we need to view it with this, yeah. this level of sobriety. Young married couple, young engaged couple, young person who is dating or hoping to be married someday, mm-hmm. it is a covenant for life. So don't enter it lightly. Also, don't 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 worry so much that you never enter it. You you end up cohabit cohabiting and you end up uh, sinning in that way. Mm-hmm. But it's for life, and that's a very serious thing. And here's the here's the deal, you guys. God is not just being a miser about this. Hmm. He's doing this because it's for our good. And we're going to get into that next. Uh, before we jump into that, I want to jump into, excuse me, I want to look at Genesis 2.24. And this is kind of the quintessential verse. It's before the fall. It says this, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So you had something you wanted to read about oneness. Yeah, there was, well, I mean, if you think about identity, right, in this verse, therefore a man, so A being the, what, it, I can't even think of the words right now. I'm like, uh, noun. <laughs> uh, a, and you know, that means one man shall leave his mother and fall, hold fast to his wife, which is singular. Hmm. So you have one man one woman and they the two become one flesh wow. and so when we look at the meaning of of one flesh um in the hebrew terms they were saying the original hebrew word refers to more than just a person's physical or sexual composition um this is a quote from got questions they said it relates to the whole human existence the biblical view of one flesh quote unquote communicates a unity that covers every facet of a couple's joint lives as husband and wife hmm. in marriage two whole lives unite together as one emotionally intellectually hmm. financially spiritually and in every other way the quote unquote two shall become one in purpose they are so close that they function like one person balancing each other's strengths and weaknesses so that together they can fulfill their god-given calling oh man so we we kind of we spend a lot of time defining it clearly, and and I, I don't want to lose this in the middle of that, that it's not just about the hard and fast definition. It is, in a lot of ways, but God gave us this this structure for our flourishing mm-hmm. and for His glory. It's not something that He just said, how can I make relationships as unfun and, <laughs> and, and, and lifeless as possible? Right. No, God said, how can, I, how can I maximize their joy in this, and how can I give them life and let them flourish 
in life through this particular institution that he's designing. And so here's what I want to argue. And I don't think I have to argue that hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, and we're asking the question, what is the purpose of the marital covenant? And I'm just here to say its form determines its function. Okay. So its form determines its function. In other words, the design of the marriage determines what it was made for. Hmm. Okay. And you just read that beautiful passage from got questions. And we read Genesis two 24, that two shall become one flesh one man, one woman becoming one flesh together, um, for these purposes. Okay. I've outlined six purposes. There's probably more, but these will get us thinking. So emotional. Okay. So we have unity. There's love expressed Mm. between spouse song of Solomon. It's all about the, 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 the rapturous love between Mm -hmm. a a husband and his wife. And what a beautiful display that did God have to give us. Hmm. The joy, it could have been just animals, like procreating and done. Not pleasurable. There's no emotion. Just you're compatible. Let's get it done. Now we have kids. We can live on for another generation, right? Mm. Or our our DNA will live on rather. Um, God didn't do that. He gave us emotional um, upside, emotional unity. Right. um, And the ability to express love. Right. The second one is spiritual. So you have emotional spiritual purposes of marriage and that there's sanctification. Well, and I think there's also spiritual growth Mm. um, and I don't know how to say it, but just we can grow together, right? Mm. We can walk together uh, praying for others together, praying for ourselves, praying for each other. There's this unity aspect. Yes, there's sanctification. I think no one will deny that piece for sure, right? Right. We are constantly being sanctified by someone who is with us all the time and that knows us better, I think, than sometimes we know ourselves. Mm. Um, And they, they hold the keys, I feel like, in a lot of ways to, to the deepest parts of us. And yet we can still Mm. look to them and they can look to us to, um, have grace and to point each other to Jesus when we're weak and to hold them and cry with them and uh, uplift them and mm. faithfully, you know, sp- bring scripture to them and <laughs> speak that. Mm. So I don't know. I'm just trying to present this image of uh, pursuing God together spiritually. There's the sanctification piece and then there's this yeah. pursuit piece. So two becoming one flesh, this form is determining its function and the functions of marriage, emotional unity, mm-hmm. spiritual sanctification and growth. The third one is multi-generational and then you've got procreation happening. That's where kids are made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the birds and the bees, right? Mm. That's where uh, children are made. All right. The fourth one is missional. Uh, fruitfulness is a language that we see throughout scripture, particularly around the family. Mm-hmm. Fruitfulness, we come to realize it's something different in the New Testament. It means it symbolizes something else having to do with fruits of the spirit, uh, out, the outcomes of uh, our faith. Um, loving others and so on and so forth. So discipleship in, in, in one another, that's, that's the spiritual piece. Mm-hmm. Parenting as discipleship. Uh, we should talk about that a lot mm-hmm. over fierce parenting. And then our industry, right? This is something we over, overlook a lot, but the fact that our home is an economy, a mini economy where we rely on one another in really unique and special and, and amazing ways, mm-hmm. Right. It's not just about baking cakes and ironing the clothes and getting the kids out the door to school. It's about building a life together. The industry of building a life together. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a wonderful, that's missional. Mm -hmm. That's not arbitrary. It's missional because you're building a life that is headed where? It's headed toward deeper reverence, relationship, awe, and wonder of God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're building that life. That's missional work. Okay, so that's the fourth one. 
These last two, I'm sorry, I'm using terms that are. You can use the terms if you can define them. That's okay. our rule. <laughs> okay, so these are these are um, these are seminary terms. So missional is the fourth one. The fifth one is soteriological, um, and that what that means is basically having the study of salvation, right? The savingness of the gospel, right? Awesome. What saves us? Mm. Soteriology is a study of what saves us. So, uh, so here's how marriage is a soteriological. Um, Function, serves a soteriological function in our lives is that it is a um, it's a it's a, a shadow of the gospel, mm, right? Like we see, of, yeah. We, yeah, we see like when we're naked and unashamed with each other, namely in bed, right? When we're making when we're I was gonna say making love, that sounds so weird, but <laughs> it, that's what it is. It's amazing. Um, it's a it's a shadow of the gospel that I'm being loved. You are being loved in your vulnerability, right. in your nakedness, in all your imperfections. Right. You are still fully known, fully loved. That's a shadow. That's a picture of the gospel. And that's what it's like to be loved by God in Christ. Mm. What an amazing thing to behold. And the marriage serves that function in some ways. Uh, the, the final one is uh, eschatological or eschatological, depending on how you want to uh, pronounce that. But eschatology has to do with the, the end times, right? So, and, and uh, Paul talks about this in Ephesians 5.31. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's quoting Genesis 2 there. Mm-hmm. And he says this, the mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, each, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Mm. Okay, so it's a shadow of the things to come. Mm. Marriage is a shadow. It's a mystery. It's profound. And it shows us a shadow of what it's going to be like to be united with Christ as his bride, as the church being his mm, bride. So good. Um, and so it serves all these purposes and its, and its form has to do with those functions. So good. And so as we wrap our minds around and submit our, our hearts to God's view of marriage, this, this, it frees us up to live out these mm. functions in a way that is more profound. And instead of uh, abandoning it, when it doesn't align with us, we can now cling to it, knowing that it's for our flourishing and for God's glory. So good. So good. So I guess we just want to leave you guys with some questions, maybe some challenges about this idea of, and this identity piece of oneness in marriage, um, unity, uh, being exclusive, one man, one woman. Do we take this seriously in our marriage? Do we get, or, you know, the, do we get overly concerned with kind of our, our own and individual identities and things that we want and we begin kind of uh, mm. slowly operating singularly versus collectively, right? And what, what might that look like? You know, I think the quickest one that I would think of is just hobbies, things we do outside of, you know, work and family. Um, do we do those things? Are those becoming a priority? Are those things that are kind of trying to mm. squeeze their way into uh, things that we've decided at during this stage mm-hmm. and this season of our life as a family, uh, they're just not a priority. And how is, are there things that we're fighting for and are they worth fighting for or are they just our oneness or I'm sorry, our individual oneness? Uh, is that yeah. just coming out instead of we're not fighting for our unity in our mm-hmm. marriage, we're actually fighting for the only thing that we want. Um, yeah, and what I mean, are you prefacing because we're going to talk about that at length next week? Yeah, yeah, and that's going to be incredible because we're looking at the actual what's the identity of us, right? Right, and right. you know, uh, not just two individuals, but we are a couple now, right? And we represent one another in a way, and right. so how can we think through those various things that you just mentioned, yeah, uh, in a way that's not just pragmatic, but it's principled and built on. 
the Bible right. and not just what works. Right. Okay. Right. And how can yeah. we do these things? Right. Well, like how can we love and serve mm. each other if, you know, one of us is going through a really difficult time or how can we, um, can we even ask for like me time? What is that? Where does that come from? Why is that? Is that important? Or how do we have those kinds of conversations? Um, if we are now two as one, is that, what does that look like? So, um, those are things that it's not codependency, right? Are there, (laughs) yeah. yeah, Are there still areas in our life, you know, that are, that we're divided, that we're not one flesh. And so I think those are, that's just kind of to Mm. leave you with some questions, to leave you thinking for next week, uh, we'll kind of be talking about these things, but the couples conversation challenge, why don't you? Yeah. Um, I think it's just this and, and you have to be really honest. (laughs) This stuff won't, work terribly well. This question won't work terribly well, unless you're just honest with kind of some of the presuppositions, some of the underlying assumed things uh, about your marriage and about your life and about your, your own personal thinking. Uh, You have to be honest about that stuff. And as you are ask this question, do I believe, or do we believe that God designed marriage? Hmm. Do we believe that his design is trustworthy? And do we trust his design rather than ourselves when we are in a struggle or we can't find clarity? Yeah. And our emotions don't point us where to go. Right. Do we believe that God's design is there for our good? Right. Uh, talk about that. And what are the implications of that? Right. And talk about maybe your last fight, okay? And and maybe draw lines between your last fight and maybe this underlying belief. And why are you fighting the way you're fighting? And mm-hmm. how does how you fight, uh, how is that determined by what you believe in, in terms of God's design yeah. for marriage? Yeah. yeah. So good. All right. Well, we're actually getting, we're trying to get done a little earlier. So I think we're there. Yeah. We're really trying to kind of cut down the time on the episodes because I think we can do better. (laughs) Yeah. We just want to get more succinct and we want to help, help people more and maybe that'll, maybe that'll do it. So So, do you want to pray? I'd like for you to pray if if you, if you'd be willing. Yeah. Of course. Um, Holy father, thank you for, uh, this time. Thank you that you, uh, give Ryan and I, the five loaves and two fish and you multiply it lord we trust you in this and we trust you and your words we trust your design for marriage god when we fail when we fear or we don't trust god i pray that your holy spirit would continue to lead us on that we would learn to trust that your word would prove faithful as it does once again Mm. um, to be true to be powerful Um, i thank you for your creation of marriage for the purposes within it, um, for what it is, who it is supposed to be between God. We witnessed firsthand in our own lives, the flourishing and thriving that happens when we are obedient and we are under your authority and we are joyfully submitting to your purpose, your design, your creation. We love you, God. And thank you for this time. Thank you for every listener. God, I pray that, uh, this identity series would be impacting um, and would cause questions and conversations to happen and that your truth would prevail in Jesus name. Amen. 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 I feel like it's an apt time to uh, just remind you fair listener that if you're wondering how do we get on the same page on these big deep truths of marriage and of scripture even and of what the gospel is and what love even is and, mm. and how do I even understand what covenant is? Um, I'm just, I'm happy to say we do have a tool for you and it's just, it's, it's our online marriage course. There's a six week core curriculum 
and it's and, and and you go through that in six weeks and there's enrichment materials there. Anyway, all that is available to you at gospelcenteredmarriage.com. And we tried to make it accessible for you um, so that so that anyone can go through it. It's not free, but it's also not insurmountably expensive, right? We <laughs> wanted to make ex- accessible to you. Yeah. But the thing is, is we can't make you want to invest in your marriage, but we hopefully can serve up a platter of uh, useful, good tools and um, courses for you. And that's mm-hmm. what we're hoping to do. Go to gospelcenteredmarriage.com to find more. And I, I, I just, we want, we want you to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of our way of helping you get there. All right, with that said, uh, this episode of the Fierce Marriage Podcast is... In the can. And uh, we'll see you again in about seven days. Until then... Stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care. Take care.